now. Welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. Tis me, Philip O'Connor, coming to you from my home here in Stockholm because I can't learn me lesson, lads. Only last week I was saying I'm going to have to get back to getting the podcast ready the week before and just pressing the button and loading everything up before the weekend. But Jesus, I meet myself coming back. I'm that busy. And here I am sitting late on a Sunday night again, uh, putting the podcast together for your listening pleasure. And lads, is there ever things going on in the Irish community at the moment. This could have been one of them Joe Rogan podcasts, except it would have gone on for hours and it wouldn't have been boring. There would have been all sorts of fascinating stuff in it. But I'm trying to to restrict it. I don't want to be giving you too much information all at once. Uh, what has happened? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen in this episode. Right, We have two ep- uh, two interviews for you this week. Right, One is with Rosalie Wagenar, who is a Dutch woman who's going to be doing Irish dancing here in Stockholm and is looking for other places around the country as well, lads. So don't go coming at me now with that, oh, you know, the Irish in Stockholm podcast. Oh, that's all that is, right? No, she wants to come to you, listen to the interview and see if you can get her to go. Uh, to where you are and then there's an interview with Aaron Kennedy because there's a few of us in the community are doing the thing with Aaron over the next month and I'll tell you more about it in a second but the news the news lads Jesus have we any news for you at all uh, the first big bit of news of course is that the Stockholm Gales camogie team was down in The Hague I think it was The Hague right there's loads of tournaments on at the moment and they're either in The Hague or Maastricht right lads I can't keep up right it's it's one or the other right you could go check google it or whatever one way or the other they went off playing camogie again I'm going to say Maastricht right because I think the last one was in The Hague and what happened was they went to their first tournament a few weeks ago right and it was their baptism of fire they played a couple of sort of friendly games where a few of the lads above in Yavlin a few of the lads in Stockholm had jumped in just to give them a little bit of a taste of competition and then they went down and competed for the very first time against other teams of women and they had a brilliant time right but it's like the first time you know when you've been training boxing right and then you go into the ring to, to, to actually compete for the first time and all of a sudden the fella the girl on the other side in the other corner wants to take the head off you different ball game lads different ball game so uh, they learned an awful lot and they came back and they went back to training again and I was out training with them last week and the, the, the difference was huge like you know they were good before but a huge progression but this time around the idea was that they were going to do more when they got on the ball, right? And I was saying to them, look at anything over the halfway line, just hit it. We'll have the inqu- inquisition later on whether it was the right thing to do or not. But it turns out that they scored loads, loads of goals and loads of points. I have no idea what the results are. Don't care, lads. Don't care one bit. All I know is that I saw them on Instagram and I saw them on WhatsApp and the girls are delighted with themselves and they're happy. And they got loads of goals and loads of points. And I think it was Emma Finney who gets credit for the first ever goal in a competitive game for the Stockholm Gales Camogues. And it's just brilliant to see. So hopefully, I have asked Michelle Cotter on WhatsApp now. I don't know if she has me muted at the moment or not. She probably should do because it'll only be a nine or otherwise, right? But... Um, Hopefully I'm going to have a chat with her during the week and she can tell us a little bit about how the tournament went down and the difference between this tournament and the last tournament. And I know somebody was saying to me last week that there's been an awful lot of sports podcasts. And in one way, yes, yes, I get it. There should be more culture and there should be more business and there should be more other things. I get that, absolutely, I get that. 
But when people are, are achieving things in this way and doing things in this way and coming together things in this way, lads, you have to be telling those stories. I can't let those ones go untold. Anyway, that was that. Later on in the week, the night after, they were training on the Wednesday out in Scarpneck because there's a lovely big artificial rugby pitch. Anybody who's ever played Gaelic football up here in Stockholm in the last four or five years has probably played on that pitch during a tournament. But they have these lovely rugby goals and, of course, the artificial pitch is nice underfoot. Uh, it's a good thing to be lifting a schlitter off and that kind of thing. And they got loads of practice in and it came uh, it came in very handy for them when they went down to somewhere in Belgium slash Netherlands to do this but the night after that I saw a few of the girls again because that was the night that our new ambassador uh, Her Excellency Barbara Jones opened up the Irish res- residency there on Engelbrecht Scotland 21 um, just beside the park there and a few of us were invited in good few now there must have been about maybe 60 people there from the Swedish Irish Society and from the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden uh, I was talking to Declan there we're looking forward to doing a live podcast on the 2nd of December when they have uh, they'll be handing out their Beacon Award and they'll be having their gala dinner and there's a mingle there a networking mingle there in the afternoon uh, at the Elite Hotel here in Stockholm more of that we'll get to all that right but uh, the ambassador gave an absolutely brilliant speech right and what happens at these things is we have our own sort of community people there right so you have people from the various sports clubs and from Spuds and Sill and from the Swedish Irish Society and from uh, the various international English schools and, and businesses and what have you uh, but there's also diplomats and government officials from the Swedish side and this is why these things are important right this is why it's important to show up and why it's important for the ambassador to do these things uh, she is basically you know saying right this is what I'm going to be doing over the next two or three years that I'm going to be here and one of the things that stuck out for me lads and I, it, it was the same when I met her privately there in, uh, in the embassy the week before is she was talking about Doreen and Aideen and really lifting the women of our community right and this I love to see this, right? Because as I mentioned before in this podcast, it's always very easy to get the lads to come in and have a chat because Jesus, we all think we're great, right? And we all think that we have great and fascinating stories. But for women in the community, it's not always that easy. They're just, you know, brought up differently or treated differently or they feel differently. And they're not always in a hurry to say, you know what, I have a story to tell. But to see the ambassador lifting these women is absolutely brilliant. And it's certainly something that I'll be keeping in mind going forward, even if I always try to achieve that sort of agenda our balance and indeed we will have uh, the, the the chief guest if you like uh, next week is going to be one of the women who is very important to me and to this community as well I'm going to meet her on Wednesday morning but I'm not going to reveal it all yet lads that's that's how you do it in this business right don't give away the farm don't give them the whole works so yeah we'll be doing that in the near future anyway so that was basically what was happening up in Stockholm uh, another thing I want to ask about, I'm not really sure how it went now, but yesterday, as I'm speaking to you, it's Sunday, right? So the last night in Malmo, uh, Peter Miller had organised the whiskey tasting for the Swedish Irish Society. Don't know how it went. I'm not sure how many people showed up in the end. We were trying to get a few extra bodies in there. But again, keep Peter in mind, right? Because we need people... Uh, to help out in terms of getting the St. Patrick's Day parade down there together and just all the other things that, that we want to do and Peter's a horseful man altogether he will get through an awful lot of it and he'll lead it and he'll do the thing and everything else like that but the more people to share the burden the better right and oftentimes, especially outside of Stockholm we're lucky enough because we've loads of people up here right but often in the, the, the smaller population centres if you will uh, you will get that situation where somebody goes oh Jesus nobody ever does that down here do you know why nobody th- th- that's you 
right? That's get yourself stuck in there now. There's no sense in complaining that nobody else is doing anything if you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs and just tweeting about how crappy everything is, right? So please do get in, t- in touch with Peter Miller. And it doesn't matter if you're not in Malmo, right? Anywhere south of Yon Shopping, basically, get in touch with him and see if there's some way you can get involved uh, in the Swedish Irish Society down in the southern part of the country because Peter is more than willing to put the work in and get things going. Listen, as I say, there's two things coming up. Uh, we also have, I asked for a couple of shout outs from businesses, from people who want to promote things. They will be coming up after the first interview. And I suppose you could consider this a slightly longer shout out. I saw Rosalie Wagner was getting uh, in touch, right? She's from the Netherlands originally, and you'll hear her whole story now. But she's basically going to do Irish dance workshops. She's going to come here from the Netherlands, do her Irish dance workshops in Stockholm, and try and get this going again. Because it was a sort of a generational thing. We had Maria Stein, and we had loads of people doing it before but uh, they seem to have sort of fallen off the radar a little bit because you know people get families and they start businesses and they move abroad and that kind of thing and Rosalie's going to come up and sort of start these things again so if you're into Irish dance and river dance and lord of the dance and all that kind of thing have a listen to this right and I would especially encourage the men to get involved because I know when Owen Sheedy did a brilliant thing with set dancing here but it was mostly women so we need to get the lads involved as well right and if it's only once a month or whatever lads I'm sure we can do that but listen I'll let Rosalie tell you all about it and I will be back with a business shout out after that and to introduce the next interview here it is enjoy Rosalie, let us start at the very beginning. Uh, this love of Irish dance and this desire to teach Irish dance, where does that come from for you? Well, uh, at the moment, I'm 31 years old and I started Irish dancing when I was 13. Uh, so I started uh, taking classes after uh, I saw Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance, of course. Um, I started searching for classes in my area in the Netherlands. Uh, and I found a school to dance there. So, uh, well, that's uh, a long time ago. But in the meantime, when I was 18 years old, uh, I started teaching because my parents told me, now it's time to get some sort of job. <laughs> and, uh, well, I could choose between uh, working in a supermarket or teach something that I love. So I started um, teaching Irish dancing. Uh, to some kids in my neighborhood and that uh, grew out to something bigger and uh, uh, well today I have a quite big dancing school in the Netherlands and partly in Belgium and I also uh, started considering doing workshops in Sweden. Wow. Why, why Sweden, Rosalie? What was it with Sweden that you went, okay, because we have in the past, we've had Irish dancing schools here, but, you know, people's lives change, they have children and they move on and they move to different towns. But where did you see the, the gap in the market, so to speak? Well, uh, the funny thing is that um, I uh, came to Sweden uh, one and a half year ago uh, for the recordings of Last One Laughing, uh, the Dutch version. It's an uh, Amazon Prime production, but never mind that. It was filmed in Stockholm. So, uh, and I was there and I found the uh, country really nice. So the people really nice. Uh, At that moment, I saw that there was no Irish dance school uh, at that moment uh, over there. So um, uh, then I was thinking, why uh, can't I 
put up some workshops here in Stockholm and come here more often to enjoy the country, uh, to enjoy the people, and in the meantime, give something back to the to the people there. Now, those of us who've lived here for a long time, this could be a hard place to do stuff like that because there's a system for everything. And if you don't know every little in and out of the system, it can absolutely crush your human spirit, right? How hard was it to find a studio that you could go and you could you could stage your workshops in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so um, because I don't live in Sweden, uh, I uh, used the internet a lot. So uh, I just searched for dance studios in Stockholm and uh, eventually I found the Flamenco Center uh, in the center of Stockholm. Um, and because they, uh, well, also are into Spanish dance and I and I do Irish dance, I saw the connection. So I contacted them and uh, they were really enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have already been there in there for a workshop already. Oh, so. Okay. Um, and it was a really nice space, really nice uh, studio owner. So uh, yeah, that's a good place to uh, to do the Irish dance workshops. To get started, yeah. And um, when are you going to be holding your Irish dancing workshops here in Stockholm? Because this is something that you want to do regularly, you know, sort of into the future as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's that is the plan. Yes. So uh, the first next workshop is uh, the first weekend of December, second and third of December is that. Mm -hmm. And um, well, if that works out fine, my 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 future plan is to do one uh, workshop every month. Mm -hmm. So, um, but as you understand, it takes some time to grow. Uh, and uh, definitely because I don't live in Sweden, it's harder to get in and, and uh, make sure that all the people know where to find me. Yeah. So, so you're trying to reach your audience now kind of thing and find out where everybody is. Um, if, when you do these workshops, what format of it? Because everything has to be very concentrated. You come here from the Netherlands, you do your workshop, you got to get a lot done over the course of the, the day or the two days that you're going to be there, right? So what yeah. format does it take? Yeah, so uh, it took some time to find out the best format, I must say. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but the best format that we have discovered so far is that uh, we just let all the dancers uh, come into one class. Mm -hmm. So some dancers have some experience because they've danced uh, abroad, because mm -hmm. some dancers are from America or Ireland um, and now living in Stockholm, but also people who have never done Irish dancing before. And they, we all take them in one class uh, and I split them up in groups. So we have, for example, a beginner group and a more advanced group. And um, uh, I start teaching the beginners some steps. In the meantime, the more advanced uh, dancers, uh, they practice for themselves. And if I finish the beginners, then I go on to the advanced dancers mm -hmm. and uh, they work yeah, simultaneously from each other in the class. Uh, while I help them uh, explore their Irish dance moves. Cool. And is there sort of homework? Because if you're going to be here once a month, right, the, you know, it's going to be people need to practice. They need to get together. Do you say to them, OK, try to find somewhere, try to find a space, meet up four or five people. And then when I see you in one month's time, we'll continue to work. We'll see what progress you've made. Is that the way you're going to do it? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I've already talked this plan through with some of the Swedish dancers that I have at the moment, uh, because um, 
uh, we're still uh, building up some sort of plan to uh, hopefully rent a flamenco center once uh, per week uh, for one hour and they can practice with them uh, with each other while I'm not there. And I also have an online database with videos uh, so they can practice during the week uh, and practice uh, while they are uh, with each other in the studio. Yeah, because you're right. They need to practice, otherwise they will forget. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's a, it's a fantastic idea, and that combination of you being there personally, online, peer-to-peer -peer learning, that kind of thing. It's like it's very comprehensive, right? So it won't be just that you come here one week a month and then just abandon them, you know, to do whatever they're no, doing. Yeah. You'll still be very present. Uh, in terms of costs and that kind of thing, as a business, uh, does this make sense for you, or is this something that you're investing your heart in, or how, how does that work for you? Yeah, well, it is a project of passion, as I call it. Uh, so uh, uh, everything that I do in my business um, is uh, it has evolved from passion. So um, uh, at the moment, I uh, invest everything in it, and I hope that it uh, will work. And then maybe, well, in a few years of time, I don't know how long it will take. Uh, well, hopefully it will grow itself a little bit more uh, when I have invested uh, everything in it. Hmm. Um, but it's the same in the Netherlands where I have my dancing school now. In the beginning, I had to invest uh, lots, um, lots of time, lots of passion in it. And then there comes a moment when uh, things start to flow by themselves and people start to get to know you and know where they can find you. And um, well, I've, uh, of course, I hope that uh, in Stockholm, uh, it will be like that one day, but uh, I must say it comes when it comes. So I don't want to force anything uh, and just invest uh, time in it uh, until the day is there. At the same time, you know, it's it's one of those things that hopefully uh, it's there's a need for it here in Stockholm. As you said, there was no school that was up and running at the time. I know my own children 10 or 12 years ago used to go to uh, dance classes, Irish dance classes out in a school on the north side of the city. But as I say, people's circumstances change and they don't have the time maybe to teach anymore. And um, what would you like this to become? Would you like this group to be performing in Stockholm? Would you, you know, what what success for you when you look at it? Yeah, so uh, performing would be great, but um, I also, I am a certified Irish dance teacher with the commission in Dublin. So uh, that also brings with it uh, that dancers go to a competition. And uh, if Swedish dancers would love to do that, then uh, that would definitely also be a success for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so... Uh, how do people get in touch with you to find out about the courses, the dates, the book? Have you got a, a Facebook group or have you anything set up so that they can get in contact with you and stay in contact with you? Uh, yes, I have um, a website uh, and you can find it online. And I also, when people um, uh, sign themselves up, I add them to a WhatsApp group. And oh, that's cool. called uh, Irish Dance Stockholm. And um, uh, I will put the updates in the group about uh, about the courses. Yeah. And what's your website called there, Uh Well, uh, maybe I, I have to type it. It's uh, because it's a Dutch name. Cool. 
I'll, I'll tell you what, don't you worry about that. You send me that on Messenger and I will include that in the show notes. And anybody who's listening to this who wants to get in touch with you, they can click on the link in the notes and they can get involved with you and they can see what dates it's going to be and that kind of thing. So the first one is booked in for the 2nd and 3rd of December. It's here in Stockholm. Would you be interested in going anywhere else in Sweden and doing these things? Uh, if the opportunity would be there, definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. So if Peter Miller is listening down in Malmö or Paul Curdy is interested in doing this thing down in Gothenburg or somebody wants to do it in Javla or Northern Sweden or whatever, you'd be happy to come over for a weekend and get these things started and uh, get them up and running and then maybe come back as well if if the interest continues. Definitely, yes. Yes, that would be a, a nice chance for me to... Uh, to uh... Um, expand the Irish dance in Sweden. Exactly. Uh, who have you been in touch with? Is it Swedish people or Irish people that you've been in touch with so far about starting this up? Because I know there was a generation of women like yourself and some a little bit older who saw the original River Dance on the Eurovision back in the 90s. And then there was another generation after them that you know saw Michael Flatley and that kind of thing. Are these the people that you've been talking to already or are they native Irish people? Who have you been chatting with about setting this up? Yeah, so uh, the 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 most successful uh, way of communication at the moment was uh, signing myself up for Facebook groups, uh, Irish in Sweden, Irish dance in Sweden, Irish music in Sweden, uh, things like that. So it was mostly Irish people that I was in uh, touch with. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, also in the groups like Irish Dance in Sweden, there are also Americans uh, or English people. And um, I have a girl in the group uh, whose father is, um, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, the, the boss or the director of the, the the English, the British school, I think, yes. in Stockholm. So, yeah, so that's uh, the way how things go. Yeah. There's a, the internet is a great tool for these things. God, we're blessed with it now. I remember when I moved to Sweden in 1999, it was only in its infancy and it was so hard to, to get to people. Rosie, can I ask you, what is it about Irish dancing rather than flamenco or salsa? Why was it Irish dancing in particular that, that uh, you got hooked on? Well, when I saw the video of uh, Michael Flatley uh, in Hyde Park with Feet of Flames, uh, I remember the line in the opening number that they had with all the dancers and the feet going so fast, I, well, I found it very magical to watch. And my feeling was, I have the feeling that I can already do it. I only need to learn it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's just the, the speed of the music, the speed of the feet. Uh, yeah, I totally love it. How do you feel when you dance? When you hear that music and you start to participate, how does that make you feel? Um, It makes your... Uh, yeah, you, you feel like the passion in your heart, even even though I'm even not Irish, but um, uh, the music, um, it's, uh, it unties some sort of passion in your body and uh, it makes your body want to move. And especially in the Irish way, it's just uh, so, so special. There's a lot of joy in there, all right. I need to ask you yeah. one final question because I would be the kind of person that would prefer to play music than dance to it. What sort of level, do, do people just need to be able to move around? Is that the only thing you require of them or do they need to know a couple of steps before they join you or anything like that? No, they, um, uh, they don't have to know anything because I can teach them everything from the beginning. 
Fantastic. What a woman. And you're coming here to Stockholm on the 2nd and 3rd of December. I have the URL now for your website, right? Not going to read it out. As you say, it's in Dutch. So uh, that makes it a little bit more difficult, but it will be in the show notes. So anybody who is listening, and I would encourage you very, very strongly to go and to see Rosalie and to learn from her over the couple of days, because it's a fantastic opportunity. And not least, you will get to experience that joy that Rosalie felt when she first saw Feet of Flames and Lord of the Dance and all those things. Rosalie, what we might actually do is the day that you come to Stockholm, maybe the morning of the second I might drop into the flamenco studio and we can have a chat and follow some of your new students there as well but until then the best of luck with the venture and we'll see you here in Stockholm in December thank you very much Hi Phil, uh, Dave Hanley here. Saw your LinkedIn post earlier, um, so I just said I'd drop you a note. So yeah, Dave Hanley, um, based in Carlstad and Digital, offering CBT counselling, so talk therapy, to uh, anyone really who's having some issues, as we all do from time to time. Easiest way to get in touch with me is uh, via my website davidhanley.se uh, or um, by sending me an sms uh, 0702 uh, 009356 um, thanks a lot hey everyone this is stephanie colin with less is more used english bookstore in gothenburg uh, I wanted to thank you all for the support I've received since the podcast aired last week. And I also wanted to update you on a couple of developments that have occurred since then. First of all, I am now offering shipping throughout Sweden. So if you don't live in Gothenburg or if you do, but you can't make it to the British shop for pickup, please send me an email or reach out on social media and I can give you a quote for the books that you're interested in. Secondly, I have signed a lease on a physical location starting today, October 2nd. Um, I'm hoping to open our doors in the next month or so. So if you're interested in following along with the journey, please again, follow us on social media. Um, our handle on Instagram is at L-A-S-I-S-M-O-R-E-G-B-G. Uh, thanks again. Bye-bye. Jesus, lads, isn't that just the power of podcasting? I'm not saying it's up to us. I'm not saying it's up to us. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, right? Stephanie Coughlin comes on the podcast last week, and a week later, she's opened her own physical shop. We only opened the online shop for a week ago, and she's already getting a, a physical location for herself. I have to say I'm delighted because it's a brilliant idea, and she needs somewhere to put all those books so the poor old Louise the cat doesn't get destroyed by them all. And before that, on the first business shout-out, you heard Dave Handy talking about CB. CBT is cognitive behavioural therapy, lads, right? So you get online with Dave and you have a chat with him about your issues and the things that you need to talk to him about and he'll give you guiders and pointers and all that sort of thing. And he gave his number there so you can always rewind and see what he has to say for himself. There's going to be one more business shout out before the end of the episode. But before we do that, I'm going to bring you our second interview of the week, right? You will have heard Aaron Kennedy on the first, no, second episode of the podcast that we did last year, right? Because we spoke spoke to him then in his capacity as a former ordnings vector or, or a bouncer if you like uh, who used to work at the Liffey pub right and we wanted to revisit that because there's a lot of new people in the community um 
who kind of need to hear it because when we go out and about and that kind of thing we have a few drinks and how we act and that kind of thing uh, Ordnings Vactor or bouncers don't really understand the context of us having a bit of crack or winding them up or, or doing that kind of thing right and we don't understand what their powers are and what their responsibilities are but Aaron is also a personal trainer right and I saw the other day he put up a, a post on, on Facebook looking for people to do a four week challenge with him and to be honest I could do it losing a bit of weight right I have a tendency to sort of do you know during the summer and over Christmas I I'll put on a few pounds that kind of thing and it usually just falls off but I've been injured for the last little while and I just got out of the habit of eating well so I said I'm going to join Aaron for this and now the challenge starts on the day this podcast comes out right so I've spoken to him since this interview took place and he's given me a lot more details along with the rest of the group which includes a couple of people that you may know but we'll say nothing because I haven't spoken to them about it yet and they may not want you to know they may be wanting to surprise you with their beach body in time for Christmas you know but we said we'd have a chat about that so he came down to the studio last week he's actually uh, in a place which is just up the hill from where I have my little uh, studio in Stockholm so he came by one day after his lunchtime class to have a little bit bit of a chat about all sorts of things to do around fitness and nutrition and just generally feeling good about yourself so here he is Aaron Kennedy uh, in the little studio talking about all manner of stuff to make us all feel better Fantastic. Let us get going, right? Um, when was it? You were on the second episode of the Global Gale podcast, which is a couple of years back now. You were above in a very posh place, I think, somewhere. Was it in Ustamalm you were working, yeah? Oh, uh, it was indeed. And you're, are you still there, are you? Uh, actually, I'm leaving there tomorrow. You're leaving there tomorrow? I uh, am. Yeah, Jesus, indeed. breaking news on the Global Gale podcast, <laughs> or the Global Gale, the Irish and Sweden podcast. Aye. What have you been doing? And Because I noticed that you're a person who, you like the social media, you obviously need it for your business and that kind of thing, but sometimes you've taken a little bit of a break from it. So you're back on social media now uh, I saw you put up a picture where you lost like 13 kilos in a few weeks so I got a second here right what's going on here what have you been up to over the last little while I uh, so to be honest with you I went off of social media because for a while there uh, whenever I was competing in martial arts it uh, that was sort of like my way to market myself mm-hmm. and then I get into like the gyms where I was and I didn't really need to market myself so I just sort of stopped with the, the social media aspect. <laughs> I don't need to do I was that. like, what's well, sure, your why am I doing it, you know? Yeah. And then um and then over time I was like, right, you know what, let's get uh let's get contacts back out there and networking back out there. And um and when I did it, I sort of thought to myself, right, I'll get back on the social media and I'll just set myself a challenge, right? Mm. See if I can do it. And actually back in twenty twenty one of February, I blew out two discs in my neck. Ooh. Right? And whenever that happened, it was in jujitsu, obviously. Needless to say. Needless to say is right. <laughs> um, whenever that happened, I was out for about eight months. And as I was out for about eight months, I packed on a bunch of weight. And I yeah. went from 99 kilos up to 113. My God. Right? Pure fat. <laughs> I can't even imagine you would hold You must have looked like you ate yourself or something at oh, that mate, point. Oh, that's funny. That's exactly what Carl said. It's like, Aaron just ate smaller Aaron. This <laughs> is crazy. Uh, but, then, uh, but then I was like, listen, I've, I've had enough of it. You yeah. know, everything felt sore. Everything felt heavy. My joints were bad, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, let's do this. Let's just get it off of me. So then I set on a journey for uh, seven weeks and I managed to lose 13 kilos mm. in seven weeks. 
How difficult is it, right? Because now, I, I speak as somebody who, I, I have the worst discipline in the world, as you're about to find out, we'll tell people why a little bit later on, right? <laughs> but when it comes to, summer and Christmas, right, I do whatever I want. And then, you know, when pre-season football would start, or Gaelic football would start, and then I, I change everything again, I stop eating bread, and I just sort of go up and down in that. I like sweet things, you know, my father-in-law called me earlier on today, he says, oh, you know, I'm picking apples in the garden, he says, do you like apples? I said, well, I like apple cake, you know? <laughs> so, like, how difficult is it to, to make those changes? What's What's the secret to success if you do want to lose a bit of weight? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, because I'm a, I've got a sweet tooth myself, actually. Um, <clears throat> myself, sorry. But uh, fat. Fat is fat. the secret. Okay. Right. Put it simply, the more fat that you eat, the more fat you're going to burn. Okay, I'm liking where this is going. Right. So if you think about it like this, why do we eat? Mm-hmm. I'm asking, why do we eat? We eat for energy, we eat for comfort. Mm-hmm. We eat uh, sometimes socially when you eat with your family in the evening, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. mostly you eat to survive, right? Exactly. You eat because you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Whenever you feel those desires of like uh, hungriness, you put food in your mouth. Mm-hmm. But if you can stave off your ability or that desire of hunger, then you're not going to eat. Yeah. Whenever you consume fat, you starve off that feeling of hunger. Okay. And then you don't eat as much. But what you also have to think about is whenever you consume fat, it's more dense in calories. So it's more dense in energy, mm-hmm. right? So whenever you consume more fat, you're doing two things. Number one, you're providing yourself with more energy. Number two, you're staving off your appetite. And number three, you're burning more fat. Okay. So eat fat, burn fat, basically. Eat fat, burn fat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it has to be solid sources of fat like yeah i was just going to you know store a bit of bacon fat into my tea that kind of thing that's not where we're headed for is it uh i mean you can't do that and you can't get away with that but like you probably don't want to put it in your tea like well, especially after importing the tea bags here to sweden like, <laughs> but in, in that case then because uh, this is one of those things i think that when everybody hears this they go oh jesus i'm just gonna be miserable it's gonna be lettuce and water now for six months but that's not what you're saying really, not at it? all no 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 i mean i was eating bacon and eggs four days a week I love this sound of this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Bacon and eggs four days a week. Um, you think of like avocados, you think of like olives, you think of just proper like fat sources and then you can eat lots of protein. But the idea is um, just try to... Now my mind's going in loads of directions, but I'll, I'll, I'll hone it in and I'll yeah. give you the one secret. I'll okay. give you the one secret. Listen up, lads, listen up. Here comes the secret. The bulletproof coffee. Right. What is Bulletproof Coffee? This is something you see on Instagram, you see it on TikTok and that kind of thing. And then you look at it and go, what, what is that? So Bulletproof Coffee is basically uh, grass-fed butter. So proper, proper butter. Yeah. Not any of this margarine stuff, right? And a thing called MCT oil, okay. right? MCT oil is an extract from coconut oil mm-hmm. and it's 18 times more stronger. Mm-hmm. The fat, what happens is, is you add it to the MCT and you blend it together in coffee. Okay. Right? And whenever you blend down butter, it breaks into a compound called me-cells. And these me-cells are already in your gut bile. So what happens is is whenever it's added to the gut bile, Mm -hmm. it forces your body into a fat-burning state. Okay. So you're in a position where your body's going to go, wow, I'm getting more of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I want to switch on my metabolism and I want to burn as much fat as I possibly can because I'm getting fed loads of it. Okay. Right. Then you add the MCT oil and the MCT oil speaks to your gut microbiome mm-hmm. and switch off the gut microbiome that basically fosters hunger. Okay. Right. And actually switches on the gut microbiome that switches more into a fat burning state as well. Mm. So then that has a the result then of burning fat, giving you the energy that you want. You don't feel as hungry. 
does it taste as awful as it sounds, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does sound <laughs> terrible, doesn't it? No, but the truth is it actually tastes amazing. It just tastes like a cappuccino. Does it, yeah? I thought it's amazing. Jesus, bacon and eggs four days a week and cappuccino <laughs> and the celebrate It's clearly I'm on board for this. So, so, uh, so what happened was, right, the reason that I, I had meant to contact you for a while anyway for another subject we're going to get into in a second. I saw this coming <clears> up, right, and you've done this with groups of people, right? You're starting again on the 4th of October, which will be the day that this podcast comes out and nice. you're going to do it for 28 days with idiots like me right who are going to go and we're all going to annoy you and go oh i couldn't possibly do that and that kind of thing right what, when you the bulletproof coffee is the secret right do i have to go and run up and down mountains at six o'clock in the morning that kind of thing to burn all this extra energy or what are you going to throw at me now for the next four weeks <laughs> i mean you are totally welcome to run up and down mountains if you I want absolutely <laughs> not doing that either. i'll tell you right now, <laughs> i'll facetime you while you're doing it be like one big man you got it i'll tell you you get this <laughs> that's what you get for facetime with me at that hour in the morning oh that's hilarious um yeah i mean here's the thing right to burn fat it's not about your exercise right it's about yeah. it's about your it's about your diet yeah and that's just as simple as that right mm. the the common cliche is the six-pack is made in the kitchen not the gym yeah yeah right and the more you can get on top of your diet while adding in some basic easy exercises the more you're gonna burn so no you don't have to do extreme workouts Mm. you just have to have some degree yeah some degree of discipline yeah it's not a lot get out there and do it just get out there and do it i swear to god it's like you've been following me around for 20 years going i'm gonna make the (laughs) perfect program for that family to go and do these things when you did this right 13 kilos a lot now and again i'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here right you've been a professional mixed martial artist you've been in the cane in the cage punching lads in the head getting punched yourself i i think it's fair to say that you do like the extreme end of exercise and that kind of thing and combat and that right um, how does this make you feel when you go and drink bulletproof coffee and then you go and do your workouts and that kind of thing? Does this give you a sense of well-being? Because these things like weight loss are often associated with things like guilt and they're associated with things like poor body image and poor self-esteem and that kind of thing. Is this something that has helped you to feel better in yourself when you're doing it? That's a that's a great question. Um, and I think actually all of the years of like combat sports and like losing weight for specific competitions has actually given me a bit of an eating complex myself, yeah. to be perfectly honest with mm-hmm. you. Now, not not all the time, but whenever I'm in the zone, I'm very, very like uh, very specific about everything I'm doing. And to be honest with you, it's not realistic. It's not realistic for everybody. Yeah. 13 kilos in seven weeks is not realistic. I would never uh, suggest anyone to ever try to do that because mm. it's not smart, yeah. right? Because you will... You will drain yourself and then you will get to the point of you'll probably put everything back on yeah yeah right it's that yo-yo thing that happens with people isn't it that's it the difference is i've done it 500 times yeah so i have an idea of how to maintain it Mm. um it's more about setting a very realistic goal so say for example in four weeks don't aim for 13 aim for six Mm. right and within those six kilos if you lose six kilos that is a vast amount of weight yeah you'll feel it drastically and then once you've got off of that it's more of like an accelerated start to get you onto the right path that you can maintain yeah so whenever you take the bulletproof coffee it gives you something where you feel so much better about yourself because you realize one thing and what you realize is that you don't need as much food as Mm. what you're currently eating yeah we're all eating way too much food and we don't realize what it's doing to us it's funny you should mention that because I'm, I'm sure you probably noticed the same thing when I moved over to Sweden this thing at Doggins lunch right mm. people you know the Healy Ray's back in Ireland they call it eating your dinner in the middle of the day 
And then you go and eat your dinner in the evening as well, kind of thing. It's an awful lot of food compared to, I don't know what it was like where you grew up up the north there, but we would bring sandwiches to school and then you would have your dinner in the evening and that was kind of it, like, you know. So it was way less calories all told, you know. That's true. So, yeah. like, eating sort yeah. of two cooked meals a day, Jesus, nobody could afford that in Ireland in I the know. 70s and 80s. Yeah, that's you know? 100% right. It, it, when you go about that then, I've seen you eat some pretty big breakfasts in your time. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of the big breakfast. All that time in America is like, oh, yes, I'll have loads of that. <laughs> uh, what should people away from a lot of people talk about white bread white rice white pasta and that kind of thing or does it make any difference as long as you just don't eat too much of it uh it makes a, it makes a huge difference actually and it's all to do with your blood sugar right so if you eat like white bread white pasta white rice what happens is it spikes your blood sugar yeah and whenever it spikes your blood sugar what's going to happen is your body's going to start to crave more sugar mm-hmm. right because it's gonna, then going to dip and as it dips it happens very quickly it goes up and then it goes down very quickly and the second it starts to go down your body panics mm-hmm. right and says a signal to the brain get more and then that's whenever you get stuck in the cycle of like eating crap and over and over and over and over and marabou's share price just goes up as you're eating bits of chocolate left right and center you know yeah that's a a story in my life sometimes how do you deal (laughs) with those cravings right because one of these things and again if anybody out there is listening to this you'll see on your instagram if you look at one of these things 10 more will pop up right so i'm trying to make these bars at home out of oats and bananas and fruit and that kind of do you uh, do you just cut those things out altogether or do you have a way of dealing with them with sort of more natural foods you know with fruits and this kind of honey or that kind of thing yeah i mean i think um I, i'm try, i'll try my best not to go too far into it because i'm a complete geek oh i know about <laughs> That's this stuff, I you know what i mean so i want to try to keep it as basic as possible <laughs> um but like you you have to you just have to think um sugar isn't necessarily bad mm. you just have to understand the response that your brain and your body gets from it yeah and once you're able to um understand that response you're able to have a much smarter relationship with it mm. so if um Here's a tip, for example, right? If you're going to eat, if you're going to eat your dinner, right? And you know that you're going to eat, for example, fish and chips, mm-hmm. right? See if you eat the chips first, mm-hmm. right? Your blood sugar is going to spike yeah. more. But if you decide to eat fat or protein before you eat those chips, you won't get that spike. Not as much. Okay. So, so the metabolism has already said, okay, we're getting food here. Now. Oh, it's protein. Oh, lovely. And yeah. it just sort of, it, it goes into that sort of groove, so to speak. So then when you throw the chips down on top of it, it doesn't go mental altogether because it's after getting a exactly. reaction. Exactly, right? So it's the order of how you eat your food changes everything. I always wondered about those people who sort of eat things one at a time. It must be some sort of a natural instinct that they have to do that, you know. It could be, yeah. I just sit there and shovel stuff into my face. It's disgraceful <laughs> to watch me. Yeah. One of the things that I want to ask you about as well was uh, a popular topic among the Irish community on occasion is hydration. We have a particular relationship with it on a Friday or a Saturday or anything called happy hour, for instance. Where does alcohol fit into all this, Anne? Um, so in my older and wiser years, I've realized that alcohol is like the worst. Took us a while to get here. It took me a while (laughs) to figure this one out and I still haven't like banished it from my life at all. Like, but, um, you know, the thing with alcohol, like is, is you're, you're just poisoning yourself completely. And again, it's about having a healthy relationship with it, right? I'm not here to preach about not drinking alcohol. This lad sitting in that car is crying listening to this, but go on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, lads. Sorry. Has to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the truth is, is like, you know, I've, uh, I mean, I I don't really know what to say. Everybody knows alcohol isn't good for you. Mm. It's just as simple as that. I got to a point in my life where I recognized that it was doing me more harm than it was good. So I started to cut it. For example, it went from like twice a week to once a week once a week to every fortnight mm. and then once a fortnight to once a month 
and mm. that's sort of where I'm at at this point. Mm. Do you yeah. miss it at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, and that, that's what mm. I hate about it. That's what I don't like about it. Mm. I don't like the fact that I'm still drawn to it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what kind of gives me the problem with it. Yeah, because it's pulling me. Yeah, and I don't know why, because it shouldn't be, because I don't like it. But this is the thing. I think we have this sort of romantic notion about it that oh Jesus, you know, one or two drinks would be great crack and that kind of thing, like you know. <laughs> but yeah, but you stood on the other side of this, and we're going to get onto that now in a second. You stood at the door of the Liffey for many years, and you've seen people make an absolute idiot out of themselves, and people who, if they could remember what they did the next day, would regret it, but they can't even remember it, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um. Is is it something now? When you go out now, right? If you go out with your partner, I know she's pregnant at the moment, and congratulations. Thank you very uh, much. If you were to go out with her, would you be a sort of okay? We'll go out. And we'll have a glass. Of wine or we go out and have one beer after a walk around Gamblaston in an afternoon or would you go out and go absolutely mad all together go right 20 pints and we're not drinking for another month kind of thing what's your favourite way to go about it uh, let's just say when she got pregnant those let's go mad nights don't happen anymore that's all over now <laughs> it's all done and probably will be for a long time but uh, nah I mean I used to love taking her out and just being right let's go yeah. you know grab a, grab some food grab a glass of wine and the next thing you know you're in the Liffey till no oh. shirt on up on a table that kind of thing yeah. <laughs> exactly and that's her <laughs> <laughs> exactly but the worst thing is now the smartphones people see this evidence oh, was that me god almighty you know yeah but um, again with a baby on the way now it's not something that like I always said that um, when my kids had grown up and moved out that I might go out and celebrate like a madman now for one thing I'd probably have two drinks and fall over at this thing but the other thing is I just don't feel like doing it I just don't want to go go back there to sort of you know Monday morning or even Sunday morning hangover God Jesus you know when you wake up in a ball kind of thing and there's a kebab at the end of the bed you don't know who put it there <laughs> but you have a fair idea this kind of thing you know uh, have you any idea like are you going to walk away from it completely now do you think or will you still sort of dip your toe in the waters every now and again I think the thing with me is like um, if you if you make it this thing that you shouldn't do you're always going to want to do it. Mm. And then when you do decide to do it, you're going to get this immense feeling of guilt because you did it. Yeah. So for me, I think as long as I'm just a much more uh, mindset of moderation, then number one, it won't give me that negative guilt feeling. Yeah. And then number two, I won't feel like I'm as drawn to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Moderation. We, we do. We have an awful habit of blowing these things up as well. And go, no, absolutely not. And then you do it and you go, I feel fucking terrible after doing that. That's an awful thing altogether. <laughs> yeah. uh, on that subject, we mentioned there that you were on the door of the Liffey in Gamlaston for many years. And the last time we had you on the podcast, we're going to do it again, right? Because there's a lot of people who've been sort of circulating in and out and they might be working on a building site or they might be working on a big project here down at Slusson or something like that, right? Um, when you were working on a door of a pub, right, um, most people now would be what they call ordnings vector, right? It's a kind of a, a state licensed security guard. And what people don't seem to know is you can't really touch those lads if you have a few jars, can you? No. 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 How should people deal with the police, with this sort of ordnings vector? If somebody comes up to you in a pub and says, I'm sorry, pal, you've had too much, you're going to have to go, mm. you can't lay a hand on them, can you? How, how should we deal with that when we're out sort of letting our hair down? Yeah, it's a really different one. It's difficult because when you first get here, you you, you treat it like Ireland, mm. and if a bouncer comes up to you, sometimes you're like, right, mate. Then you'll have a bit of you'll have a bit of back and forth with them, and sometimes you'll get in a scuffle. And generally speaking, the scuffle will usually end up with you slapping the back of the head and throwing on your way. Mm. But here, it's like you touch one of those guys. It's um, it's the same repercussions as as touching a cop. Mm. And personally, I think they're given way too much power, yeah. and they shouldn't be allowed to have that power, especially like handcuffs and battens. Mm. Whenever they're only trained for like six weeks, which, to be honest, is completely ridiculous. Yeah, it's bad darts, isn't ah, it? It's not good at all, actually. I've seen some shady sites with warnings backed here as well. Not yeah. to get into it, but um, but the fact of the matter is, that's how it is. 
Yeah. So you have to respect it. And it's sort of just not worth your night being told to leave somewhere, even if you don't think you're drunk enough, mm-hmm. um, just to uh, to then get into a scuffle and then get arrested for it and then get it on your record and everything. It's, yeah. Because they do. They'll throw the book at you pretty much if you lift a hand to one of those lads, won't they? Well, well here's the thing. Here's a story. I was stood outside the Liffey one time and there was there was one Orning's Vact, right? And he kicked some fella out of the bar across the street. And whenever he kicked this here fella out, the guy was small, right? And the Orning's Vact was big. And the, the fella was walking down the street as he was walking away. And the, when the Orning's Vact turned his back to walk away, which you never do, idiot. <laughs> Right, I don't know why he did it in the first place. You know what I mean? Six weeks training, there you go. Right, so then the kid turns around, runs, <laughs> shuffles up to him, hits him a boot in the arse, right, and goes to run away. Right now, if someone had to hit me a boot in the arse at the speed that he did, I'd have chased after him, slapped on the back of the head, and be like, You're a dick, <laughs> don't ever come back, here don't ever again. come back here again, mate. You know what I mean? But you know, I'm not going to punish you for it, right? Yeah. They called the police, got him arrested, handcuffed. He was down face first on the ground and criminal record for life. Yeah. For hitting someone a boot in the arse. And that's, you won't get into America. You won't get nope. into Canada. You're nope. not going anywhere once that happens. And it's just one thing where you lose your temper and that's it. You're gone. You're out yeah. of kind of thing. Yeah, that's it. If you do get arrested in this country, have you any idea what your rights are? Have you just basically got the right to keep your trap shut until somebody comes and lets you out? That's another thing. So you can be put in jail or prison or whatever it is at this point. Um, you get put there and you're kept there until your trial. Yeah. Right. So say, for example, you do something. Say, for example, you hit someone and you accidentally knock him out and break his jaw. Mm. Right. That's a serious offense. So you can be put, you can be arrested and you can be kept there for months mm. and months until your trial is actually yeah. um like put through mm. whereas like in other countries you'll get arrested then you'll get let out and then you'll come back in mm. um this is what happened for younger listeners who are much younger than me with much less gray in their beards asap rocky the rapper was here in town and he got into an altercation in the center of stockholm and was kept in the what they call it hectic which is basically remand here uh on kung's home and he was there until the trial now and they had all sorts of um different people you know going in there you had ambassadors and you had all sorts of characters there who were uh in and out trying to get stuff done and in the end i think he was he was allowed to go free for it but he was you know didn't matter all the millions that he had in the world and the fact that rihanna's his girlfriend and everything else (laughs) like that nothing was going to save him you know from that and that's the same thing now it's one thing if you have all those millions but if you're working on a building site or if you're expected to be down in one of the banks here in the morning sorry you're not going to work and they're not going to let you out there any faster when you've been violent towards somebody as you say hitting somebody knocking them down knocking them out they're not going to let you back on the street just because, oh, I'm sorry, man, I had a few too many kind of thing. Yeah, you? no, they're not going to accept that as an answer at all. Yeah. That's the, especially if you're not Swedish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, I think they take one look at the fighting Irish and they go, okay, lock those lads up and, and leave them alone. We're just, they're not going to get into the thing at all. Yeah. Um, we mentioned your family situation and the child is on the way and that kind of thing. Have you any desire to go back on the doors or anything else there and a few extra quid or that kind of thing? Uh, no, definitely not. You're no, done with no that? No desire. I'm done with that. No. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it for 10 years. <clears throat> so, yeah. You, on average, at a night at the Liffey, which is one of the best Irish bars in town, fantastic place, great bands playing there, great musicians, great staff. Would you get a load of hassle there on a Saturday night kind of thing? Would it be, you know, because I remember do, doing the door in a bar in Greece for four months and it was two fights in the whole time. One of them mm. I had to throw out the owner and that was it. It was the easiest <laughs> job in the world. Like, mm. you know, did you find that, you know, every Friday, every Saturday that somebody had to be chucked out in their ear or the police had to be called? No, I mean, in general, the way I run it was like, at the time I was running it, there was just a bunch of Irish folk, right? Yeah. And I kind of knew how to banter with them. Yeah. So I would always just be polite and always just speak to them. Before <laughs> they also knew that you were an MMA professional. That that helped a lot yeah there's Aaron don't fuck with him Hi. 
so uh yeah no but like I, the the one thing i learned was like use your words before you use your hands yeah and it helped a lot mm. um but the problem is a lot of the swedish earnings fact they don't know how to use their words mm. especially with irish lads because we like to give a bit of lip yeah um so the, uh, the other thing yeah. is that when we speak english the way we do with a few drinks with us they have a hard time understanding us. I mean, 100%. I yeah. speak quickly enough as it is. Throw a few drinks at the beginning. Nobody's going to have a clue what I'm saying. And it could only be having a bit of banter, having a bit of crack with them. Mm -hmm. But it quickly can be sort of misinterpreted. And I've often noticed as well that, you know, uh, you'll find out with football supporters coming to town, for instance, that they find themselves in trouble. Kind of through no fault of their own, but it's just that uncertainty on the side of the audience fact that the police officer, and they go, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to hit him with the baton and let that be the end of it kind of thing, you know? But it was reasonably calm anyway when you were when you were out there because you you knew the people who were out there and that kind of thing you know. But for those of us who are working in you know the towns up the coast who are building data centers and that kind of thing you know, is it worth thinking about before you even go out? Going right, if these lads, if some fella comes up to me with a sheriff's badge on, I'm just going to keep me trap shut. That's my best tactic now is just to do whatever he tells me to. Pretty much, That's just look him in the eye and be like, no problem, mate. Yeah, and whatever then, you want me to do, yeah, hold your hands up and just yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm gone. Just give him that win. Yeah, yeah. Give them it. Who cares? Yeah, you go Who home cares? with all your teas and no criminal records. Exactly. Or just go to the next bar. <laughs> <laughs> if you're living in a place that has one more bar, I'm just getting barred with the only pub in town. And That's not great. <laughs> um, the reason that we were able to do this here in the little studio here today is because you're doing a little bit of work up at Bonnie O'Hoosa just behind me. I know there's a good few listeners uh, who work for PricewaterhouseCooper and that up there. What kind of stuff are you doing up at FSA at the moment? So currently I'm working primarily with uh, martial arts training, yep. with uh, submission wrestling and MMA. Mm -hmm. all for beginners foundational practices mm -hmm. and then also um, I'm doing a large bit of work with breathwork yes so breathwork is one of the best ways that you can combat stress and anxiety mm -hmm. and also improve your, your performance mentally and physically mm -hmm. um, and that's that's what I'm doing up in FSA at the minute how complicated is that with breathwork right because you often hear take a deep breath and everybody goes well that's your breath no it's there's a lot more to it than that right yeah that that's the thing with breathwork it's like um yeah, until you give it like a, like a solid go, you don't really understand why you're being told to do it. Yeah. And everybody so far has been like, okay, take a deep breath in and then breathe out. And you're just like, right, I'm not going to do that. I do that all the time. I do it all the time. <laughs> why is he teaching me how to be how to breathe? I've been breathing my whole do life. Do I look like a fish? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? But uh, no, nah, but honestly, once you get on top of it and you actually understand not you don't have to understand the science behind it but once you do understand the science behind it mm. you are blown away i was blown away yeah. but like i said i'm a nerd about this sort of stuff um and then number two like the response it has in your nervous system regards to stress like you can literally de-stress yourself within five minutes um there's actually a breathing protocol that you can use that has been proven to do the same amount of um results of 20 minutes of meditation does okay. for you within five minutes super yeah you can try it out if you want and, and these are all things that you teach right so you you work part-time ish for some of these gyms and for fsa and that kind of thing. but you also hold your own seminars and you work as a personal trainer you teach these things with breath work i'm sure you do individual lessons for jiu-jitsu and mma and that kind of thing how can people get in contact with you and are you going to stay on social media this time around <laughs> yeah i think i'm definitely here for good now at this point. <laughs> that's it yeah game over like yeah. game over i'm on it yeah <laughs> Uh, Aaron Kennedy performance. Mm. You look that up on Instagram, you're gonna find me. Um, and yeah, if you're if you're looking with anything to do with breathwork, um, just follow me there, and I'm gonna give it a lot of stuff. And you'll find that I'm holding a lot of performance workshops mm. in the city. My next one's in Stadi and Camp Sport. Yeah. Um, on the uh, 28th of October. Um, 
But yeah, breathwork allowed me to come out of one of the darkest periods of my life. Um, and then whenever I came out of that period of my life, I used it not to get out of like depression, anxiety, but to actually fuel my mental performance so that mm. I can start to take my life to, to the next level. Yeah. And that's actually what I did. Mm. Are you happy these days? I'm pretty happy. You look yeah. really happy lately. Yeah, I'm well, glad you. to hear that. That's great. Yeah. That's brilliant. Listen, thanks so much for coming down to the studio. The next time you have anything, and this goes for everybody else as well, right? I put a shout out on social media. Send me a voice note with anything that you're doing. We'll drop them into the podcast and hopefully as many people as possible will show up to your various different seminars that because I always find it, I always learn something when I sit down and talk to you and I'm sure everybody who goes to these seminars will find the same thing. But for now, Aaron Kennedy, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much, Philip. Appreciate it. Hey, this is Carl from Tursht. It's already October, and that means that the oddly refreshing Swedish Yulmust is already hitting the shelves. We sell ours, the only organic version in the country, or in the world, in fact, uh, on www.delatia.se. And if Yulmust isn't your cup of tea, you can always get your hands on our ginger, our lemon, our raspberry, and our elderflower year-round. www.delatia.se cheers now if there was one soft drink in the world that Aaron Kennedy is going to allow me to drink between now and Christmas it's going to be something made by Carl Stein at Tushed right go back over uh, the previous episodes go and find the one where uh, Carl talks about the whole process I went out to him when he was brewing his lovely soft drinks there all natural ingredients no E numbers no preservatives none of that kind of crack and uh, if you're new to Sweden he mentioned the Yule Must right it's like this Christmas uh, stuff uh, Christmas drink that was made by breweries years ago uh, Apple Teckenas is the most popular one. It's also full of all the kind of stuff that Carl is not going to put in his drinks at all, right? So I would suggest you go on to Delatia, uh, the website that he mentioned there, right? And order a bunch of different flavours, right? I know every time I order them, right, uh, my kids just dive into the box straight away and they have their favourites. The lemon one is lovely and the raspberry one is lovely and that kind of thing. But it's a lovely complement to anything you're doing. You know, if you're doing stuff with the family or that kind of thing, uh, it's, you know, if you're having people over for dinner or that kind of thing, having a few of these in the fridge is going to make a huge difference. The elderflower one is very popular among the Swedes. So if you have Swedish in-laws as well, give them a bang off this now and they'll love it altogether. That is it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. My Jesus, we managed to squeeze a few things in, right? I hope you enjoyed the business shout-outs. If you have a business yourself, drop me a voice note, right? 070-721-7715. 070-721-7715. And we'll drop those into the show as we go along it might be the same people every week it might be that stephanie is telling us what books she got in or carl is telling us what flavors are out there but put up like i'm more than happy to bring these things to the community if you can do me a favor as well right follow me on social media uh, at Irish and Sweden Pod on uh, on Instagram, at Philip Ablana on Instagram, at Philip O'Connor Journalist on Facebook. Lads, there's nowhere to find me, right? But please be following the podcast. If you can, go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm and throw in a fiver a month, right? The more I do this, the more I want to do it for you. The more I want to do this podcast, the Global Gale podcast, Premier Swedes, the more I want to do all these things, but I need your support to be able to do it. And to be able to continue providing a platform for people, not just in our Swedish community, 
community, but in our global community to tell these stories, right? Share the podcast if you can. Share it with people that you work with here in Sweden. Share it with people back home. Share it with Swedes that you might know who live in Ireland. And the more people we get listening to it, and the more people we get listening to the Global Gale, the more time and energy and effort and resources I'll be able to spend on it. You can also swish a few, Bob, to 123-242-166. 123-242-166. You may not want to show your appreciation every appreciation every month, but you can do it on occasion by swishing a few, Bob, to that and help me keep the lights on. And if you do use the swish, as I say, it goes directly into the business account and my lovely accountant, Yulia, picks it up and she pays all the VAT and she does all the tax things and everything. So it's, a, it's great for me because I don't have to worry about uh, doing all those things particularly in there. We are creeping up towards the hour mark and I swore that I wouldn't go over so I will leave you for now lads uh, as I say more great interviews coming up and do get in touch if you have a story to tell me in the meantime take care of yourselves take care of one another and I'll be back again next week with another episode of the Irish and Sweden podcast and maybe even a few pounds lighter lads you never know <laughs>